All, All right. right. Well, hey. Hey. Cheers. <laughs> Cheers, bud. Clink, clink. How you been, Jake? Doing okay, man. Uh, uh, it's been about a month since we uh, since we recorded our last ep. Since we talked about Natty Brules and uh, Natty Brules, uh, Armandi Helds. Uh, have you have you revisited either of those albums, by the way? Natalie, uh, I, I've dived back into Natalie, and I actually have a story to share. Uh, <gasps> about recent child. No, I did not hang out with Natalie and Brulia. That would be nuts. Oh, okay. Uh, um, but uh, yeah, uh, kind of heard, heard, heard a song uh, out at a restaurant and, but I'll get to that in a little bit, but oh. how, how have you okay. been? <laughs> oh, been all right. You know, uh, uh, just, you know, hanging in there or being, being tired, but, but uh, getting, getting by, uh, I tried so hard <laughs> this week, like to uh, stay positive whilst uh, listening to a lot of Elliot Smith, uh, yeah. which is which is a challenge, you know. Uh, <laughs> luckily, I had my avalanches as a little pillow to lay my head upon. Um, but yeah, I'm doing all right, man. Um, yeah, uh, doing, doing. I had a DJ gig a couple weeks ago. Um, that yes. was fun. T- tell us about that. How did it go? Oh, it went really well. I've got another one on the. 27th of august at indian roller yes um great venue great if you're yeah. if you're in austin couldn't recommend indian roller it's a great venue uh yeah it was it was a lot of fun so like a bunch of friends came out like a, my uh my uh, apartment complex crew like rolled in at like uh at like you know 10 and they just kind of took over the whole place and shut it down with me and uh lots of screaming and hollering and dancing it was a Oh, good time. And I hadn't, cause I hadn't uh, played records in like uh, over a year, you know? So I was really worried like about how rusty I was going to be. And it was rusty, but like, you know, it's riding a bike. So I kind of got right back on there and like, okay, started slow and like, all right. And then, you know, moved right in and, you know, played my jams and, and the, the beat matching came right back to me and all that. And um, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. Had like the year of, sipping mimos like had that did that inform your your performance like did you like did you go out there and you're like oh you know like pumped even more after like revisiting some of your favorite records yeah i mean uh the the show is definitely like kept it on my mind and all that and like and revisiting all this you know older music and stuff a lot of it that i have played out and and i do have you know on vinyl and blah 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 it always um it's always easier to play something that you've listened to a lot, you know? So, so playing, you know, Armand Van Helden and or, or, or chemical brothers stuff like, uh, you know, it's always, it's a lot easier to bring that up or, or find a moment for it or whatever, having listened to it and like, and taking it apart in excruciating detail with you. So yeah, it, it absolutely helped. Yeah. Did, uh, did any of our previous albums uh, make an appearance in the set? And I'm talking mainly about Sugar Ray's, uh 1459 uh, i didn't play any sugar ray i don't think <laughs> <laughs> um but i played what did i um i know i played i of course played uh that uh the pump panel confusion remix from blade that we haven't like covered but we talk about every episode 
that's getting uh, its own episode like that, <laughs> that one track <laughs> yeah absolutely um <laughs> i remember playing that one and like i you know playing so i played some Armand van helden uh um uh oh boy i don't even remember i played it you know i had like a i started with like you know slower tempo like hip hoppy stuff and like you know whatever played some zz top because of uh rest in peace um to nice. who, who, who was the guy that i'm so sorry uh, who was, dusty hill dusty hill i played legs that's a badass song just got legs um that was fun i feel like i like zz top are just I, I was telling i was telling my fiance like you know they're they're one of those bands that like are often imitated but never they have like such a recognizable sound you know like it's just like it's 100% ZZ Top. Like you can, you can turn on the radio, and the minute you hear like that guitar, yeah, often imit- often imitated, never duplicated. Dup- I was gonna say, did I say duplicated? No, but I googled it, so that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> it was on the tip of my tongue. No, uh, just just what a, what a, what a, what a group of really interesting interesting dudes from from East Texas. Um, and they're like a smaller band too, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, there's just three dudes three of them all the way so you think they like paved the way for like bands like black keys and white stripes and that kind of stuff definitely uh i i actually i i watched um i watched a documentary on netflix about zz top um and zz doc zz doc <laughs> yes uh and uh <laughs> Actually, Dan Auerbach, the singer from the Black Keys, came out, and he was there. You go. He's on there talking. So, uh, yeah, I mean, really cool. I mean, Billy Gibbons is—he's uh, the guitar player, and um, he. What a really interesting career that guy has had. He he started off playing like in like kind of like garage psychedelic bands in in the Houston area, and toured with Jimi Hendrix and all these other um, like legendary like '60s bands. I feel like as far as legendary 60s artists go, it's like Hendrix is the mountaintop. Mm-hmm. Um, just really, just seems like a really cool dude. And uh, I, I, I have this, I have this thing where I'm like, you know, I, I, I could, I could like be happy with like how my life turns out. If, if like I ever get to experience like Billy Gibbons calling me like compadre or like amigo. <laughs> okay. Like, like I, I mean, honestly, it's, it's it'd be like you know, getting married next November, and then like what? Billy Gibbons calling me like compadre or amigo, you know. <laughs> Absolutely. Have you have you do you have like a favorite run in with a with a music icon? Yes, uh, I have two. One of my favorite bands of all time, and they do have an album that came out in the '90s, so they're going to make an appearance. Is Jimmy oh. World. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, they were playing in San Antonio, and one of my, I used to do this all the time, you know, in my early twenties and uh, mid twenties, I guess too. But I would, I would love to go down to venues really early and have the uh, artist sign my vinyl. Oh, uh huh. Wait, did you tell this? Is it? Is this the story about the super rare edition of one of their early albums that you got? This is this is a different one. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Um, and so. I like waited all day and like the band members kept on like trickling out, you know, to go like explore the city. But Jim, the singer hadn't come out yet. 
And then all of a sudden, I've been there for like two hours. I see him get into a car and like drive away. And the stage man, the one of the stage manager guys was like, yeah, he's going to Whole Foods right now. But I'll tell you what, like if you don't get his autograph before the show, I'll um, find me. I'll be, I'm working the stage. Find me. I'll let you backstage after the show. So that way you can get your record signed. And I was oh, like, that's cool. I was like, wow, thank you so much. And um, so he came back an hour later from Whole Foods, walked in. Now, and I was real big about like giving giving them their space, not be like yeah. that, that person. Yeah, you can't be a dick. You got to be yeah. careful. And so I was just kind of like hanging out and out walks, you know, Jim Atkins, one of my, you know, heroes musically. Like and he's uh-huh. just like, hey, man, I'm Jim. How's it going? And he shakes my hand. And I was like, hi hi how you doing he was like hey are you you waiting for me and he was the nicest possible guy and i i I don't remember what else was said um (laughs) i was just like i'm so excited for the show i love the new album he was like thanks for coming out man and then he went on his way to be you know a a badass rock and roller um and it's just it the the time it kind of reminded me of like when you met oakenfold like the time that he took to make me feel as a make me feel as just a fan and as a person that like you know i was special enough to like take you know take time to say hi you know and yeah that's cool especially when you look up to someone so hard um and they 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 do that it's just really cool and the second time was i got to meet willie nelson um wow and willie's got a ton of albums that come out in 90s so we'll probably talk about him oh i'd love to at some point it's got some good stuff in the 90s mm-hmm. okay how about that wait where, where did you meet willie he was playing a church here in austin and my buddy and i my buddy was like hey you want to go try and meet willie and i was like yeah yeah and it was like a sunday and we went and the, the show sold out and so we were just kind of like hanging out and then the show like let out and we snuck in mm-hmm and uh, into a church <laughs> and uh, sneaking in a church and Willie was sitting at the foot of the stage while his band was playing. His band was just like jamming cool. and he was just sitting at the foot of the stage. It's like signing autographs and taking pictures with people. And I was like, Oh, Oh snap. Like th- th- this, this could happen. And we made our way to the front and at this at the same spot i had gotten a chance to meet merle haggard uh like a week before and willie and merle famously did a um an album called poncho and left um yeah uh poncho and lefty drawing a blank yeah poncho and lefty and i got merle to sign uh under his under his name and then i got willie to sign under him so i have a copy of this record with merle haggard and Willie Nelson signed it. Pretty cool. One of one of my most treasured possessions. It's just and Willie. He was the nicest guy. You know, he he didn't really talk because I think he may have been like on vocal rest. You know, because I mean, Mm -hmm. I mean at that point he was like maybe like seventy six and just had just done like an hour and a half show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But I I, worry worry about those old timers. Like when their voice starts to go, they got they must be like real careful about it. Yeah. And he smokes a lot too. So yeah. shit. Wow. And I asked him, I, I, I was that fan this time, 
but like just because I was like, I know I'm never gonna be sitting next to this man ever again. I was like, hey Willie, um, do you have an extra guitar pick? What? And he like he looked at his roadie and he made like a like as if he was like strumming like a pick with his hand to his roadie. Uh huh. He mimed the guitar pick to yeah. his roadie. And his roadie went and took a guitar pick off his mic stand and handed it to Willie. And Willie gave me one, so I have one of his ooh, guitar picks. <laughs> ooh, ooh, that's cool as shit. Wow, that's cool. I was I was never a big like autograph guy or anything. I always tried to get handshakes from DJs. So I kind of I think I've tried this before on the on the show. Like where I can, somehow like if I get a handshake or a fist bump, I can like absorb some of their energy and their power. Yeah. <laughs> but like wow, <laughs> and I've had plenty of run-ins and like I've met plenty of. Uh, you know, bigger DJs like uh, now. Like I when I when me and my buddies went to like Miami one time for like the they had this big spring break kind of like music conference there where like every DJ ever comes out. And you just see them walking around on the on the beach and stuff like that. I saw Moby, saw you know Donald Glaude, John B. I didn't just you know met all these people just randomly. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, but but I did I did uh, go and see. I saw AK twelve hundred and Dara in florida once and i was like i don't know i was in college i guess and like but i had a um these are drum and bass djs that are rad maybe we'll get to that um i sure would love to talk about dnb with you um but i had a uh, uh i brought a record with me like which is one of like ak 1200's like like biggest remixes it's called like uh, cleveland lounge drowning i just thought it'd be rad to like get him to sign the thing and i uh, so i you know I, i'm just like hanging out in the in this club or whatever and like they're djing and um uh, I like I show him the record and I'm like, you know, I th- and then maybe I grabbed a Sharpie from the bar or something like that. And he's like, Oh yeah. Yeah. So he grabs it. He signs it. And he's like, Oh, hang on a second. And he pulls the record out and runs up and he plays it. Everyone goes insane. <laughs> and then he steps back <laughs> and hands me back the record that he just played and like right back in the sleeve. And so Whoa. I got that. It, and so it that was, was glowing, fun. right? Like it was, yeah, it had extra energy in it and all that. It, and then it was I, like a Tron <laughs> disc, you know, it was just like, you know. Yeah. The... <laughs> it was the all spark from Transformers or something. Uh, <laughs> you held it above your head and a portal opened. And... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but then, like, but he was playing with, with uh, AK-1200 was playing with Dara. There are uh, two of the guys in this group called Planet of the Drums that, you know, with, uh, along with Diesel Boy and MC Mastinian. Um, but I, but later years later, I moved to New York and ended up working with Dara and like being friends with them and stuff. Oh, Hi, cool. Dara. Dara, if you're listening, hey. But that's so, <laughs> and he's a he's a he's quite the character, man. He's a what he's a funny dude. Hey, uh, Dara. Yeah, cool. Um, and then like one time, I, I uh, um I got a, I did get an autograph from Terrence Parker, this uh, DJ in Detroit. who's like he, he he plays a lot in Detroit and in Germany. I don't know. He's like a big. Uh, you might call gospel house DJ, like a lot of uh, he's you know a little um, uh, churchy, Jesusy, and he, uh, he's an amazing DJ, like a house DJ. And he, uh, I mean, I we booked him for a show one time, and I was opening for him, and and he really enjoyed, he <laughs> he really liked my set, and because I was I was playing some drum and bass, and like and I'm, like throwing in like deep purple all you know randomly and stuff like that, and like uh, um, and he was like he was dancing and like loving it and all that. So that was really cool. And then I had designed the flyer by doing like a painting of him and was, you know, Terrence Parker, you know, Grand Rapids, Michigan, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and then he, so he signed that, that flyer. And that was really cool. That's awesome. Is there, is there a, a, a like a genre of like worship 
uh, electronica. That's really interesting you say that. Um, you could say, you know, gospel house, I guess. Like, you, I mean, if, if anyone, you could book Terrence Parker and he, he would knock your socks off at like a religious gathering, I guess, because he's, you know, he's not playing any, anything too risque or anything, but it's, it's a lot of like house classics and Detroit classics and stuff like that, but with a little, uh, um, little, little, little nod towards, you know, uh, the Lord and all that. And it feels like, it feels like you're, you know, lots of clapping and like gospel singers and stuff like that. It's really kind of cool. Um, I, I made an argument, you know, when I was younger and like starting like to go to raise and stuff like that, that like the idea of, I don't know if you've heard of plur, like in the rave world, they, they had this acronym P L U R peace, love, unity, respect, um, which was like, that's our, you know, mantra or our, our messaging for these parties that we do and we set off and all that. It's there's plenty of drugs involved, but like, you know, the, this is in the era of like the candy bracelets, the big pants, the, you know, the visors and all that, the hard house, uh, the, the warehouse parties. And it's all about plur, peace, love, unity, respect. And I made, I like made an argument. I said, like, well, that sounds a lot like what church is kind of supposed to be like peace and love unity which is your congregation and respect of each other. But that's kind of like what Christianity is meant to be. Yeah. Uh, so, so th- there's, there is a weird, you know, connection there. And then even talking about like um, when we talked about BT and uh, ESCM, electric sky church music, he's trying to I, I, get, I was just get, gonna, I was just going to bring him up. Yeah. He's getting some, there's a, there's a certain spirituality, especially like in like the trance world and stuff like that. Yeah. 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 One thing I actually watched recently, it's kind of the exact opposite of that, but you said Moby and it reminded me, uh, have you watched the, the Woodstock 99 documentary on HBO? Is that the one that ended horribly? Yeah. Oh boy. Uh, I I don't know if I, I don't think I've seen the doc. No, it's, it was, it's something. And I, you know, I, I think I, I I was young. I'm, I was old enough to remember seeing like coverage of it on yeah. As we've established on previous episodes, VH1 because that was I, I watched VH1 more um, because they play <laughs> music videos. Yeah. Yeah, you were right. a VH1 boy. That's it's it's pretty funny to me. I, you know, honestly, an argument can be made that the the whole basis of this like show. Uh, could it be like traced back to pop-up video you know uh, the whole basis of like my personality could be traced to pop-up video and behind the music <laughs> yeah if we if we ever get a if if, if sip and mimos ever becomes a tv show it would be very close to pop-up video it'd just be our or beavis and butthead it'd be us watching videos on the couch and we're like well actually these guys do this and then we win <laughs> i would love um having such a blank tonight what is a Three the three thousand um with the, the aliens watch movies. Oh, mystery science theater three thousand. Mystery science theater three. I I feel like our show would be a combo of like that with like pop up video and Beavis and Butthead. I'd be okay. yeah. Oh, I love that. We should be pitching this around town. It's a good idea. <laughs> um, but I uh, I remember seeing like coverage of it and being like that looks that looks so crazy. But like. Corn and Limp Biscuit are playing. Yeah. You know, like, well, the, I remember like the word and the word and people were saying like, well, Limp Biscuit started this somehow or something, but like, I, I don't know. What, what was the documentary like? So it was just about like how, how poorly planned and executed this thing was. Um, 
and how it, it was kind of just like a money like a money grab kind of thing. yeah um because it was the first festival using the woodstock name right since the actual woodstock or was there like a 98 or 97 94 that was the mud that was the mud bowl one we're like oh uh famously like the, the the audience was throwing mud at green day oh no why i don't know and then green day stopped playing and started throwing mud at the audience <laughs> um but this one like it was it was so strange because it was actually put on by like one of the like original woodstock promoters mm-hmm. um and how how, how how disappointed was that guy i he they have it was two guys and one of them was like a total like doucher um the other guy i mean kind of maybe questionable as well but um it was it really it really like showcased uh a lot of stuff that actually like my like what i wrote about in my thesis about how well a lot of the bands were really like aggressive white male um uh were, were comprised of white males and just happened to make this like aggressive like heavy metal new metal music and mm-hmm. the how a lot of the audience was you know white and and male and and you know young college you know college level and how there was just like this like aggression running through like there was just like a level of aggression kind of remember how in like in Ghostbusters 2, like the the ooze is running is like going below the city of New York. That's, That's kind so- of like what's going on in this document. What sucked in It was just like Ghostbusters 2. It was it was just like this like this like No, it was it was white frat boys that like I don't know that started some shit. I don't know. I need to watch this doc. I don't know. Is yeah, it is it super is it super frustrating? Very I'm going to hate everyone in it, you know? Very. I mean, there was just, there's just so much just wrong and so many like, like just, just, you know, crimes committed, you know, against, you know, you know, women and. Oh, okay. No, I'm not going to be able to. And it's just like, and it's just like this, like gross, like aggressive male thing and how like they're, they're, they kind of like make an argument that like this, like, metal music plays into that and like metal and it's just like allowed for like um like a a way to relieve like frustration and anger and it came out in like these like really ugly ways um and then like at one point like the porta potty stopped working and so like they were like leaking and it was just like Uh. it was a mess and uh and i it it it, it, at time at times a, a difficult watch um but i think as it's it's it was really interesting sociologically yeah um, to see how how this music and how like these like like these th- these crowds reacted to that music and yeah at, at, at by the end of it like they like there was like fires and they were toppling over speakers and yeah it was crazy like it was that's that's way worse than like that fire festival thing like i, I watched you know that documentary or one of them you know and yeah that's just you can at least kind of sit back and be like ha, ha, oh you dumb rich people yeah. um but like this is like these are like college kids just causing anarchy this and that's not that's not okay yeah it, it was it was i don't know like like i said because having having just like kind of like 
lived in that world, even though it, it, I wrote about maybe like the early eighties, it was interesting to see it kind of like culminate in this, like this, like explosion. And then like, they, they brought in how, like they brought in like Clinton and it, it was, I, I thought it was a really interesting watch difficult at times. Clinton, just, Bill, Bill Clinton, isn't it? Yeah. The, um, no, 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 no. Like uh, the, 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 the Lewinsky Clinton scandal. Oh, they talk about how like how like the media portrayed Monica Lewinsky as like the villain in that in that scenario and how like that that changed how society viewed women and all. Yeah, it it was it was was, like I said, it was a tough watch because you hate to think that as a society, even even though the world we live in now, I mean, you you just you want to you want to think we're better than that. You know, yeah. but seeing it on seeing it on display and there's just tons of footage and you're just like, come on, you know, like, yeah, this is the exact opposite of what they were shooting for in 1969 at the original Woodstock. Like, um, yeah, I, I remember when that when that shit went down, like a lot of, you know, OG Woodstockers who are now fucking boomers and shit. Like, we're just like, you fucking kids, they don't get it. Yeah. Um, and and uh, yeah, maybe we don't. Or they didn't. I don't know. And that, those are all your boys too. All those new metal guys, right? Like, are you disappointed in the bands? Um, it, it, that I, I did think about that. I was like, oh man, like, yeah. like you, because I mean, particularly like like Fred Durst and Limp Biscuit, you know, yeah. like they're they're playing like they're one of their biggest songs is you know break stuff, uh-huh. you know. And Fred Durst is I don't at that I mean at ninety nine. Like Limp Bizkit was on top of the world, you know. Like I think at that point they'd already kind of like passed Corn as like the torchbearers of new metal, and they were getting ready to drop hot dog flavored water. Do you they remember were a pretty big deal? Do you remember how big that record was? Like they had like an MTV special at like the Playboy Mansion, like when they dropped that Limp Biscuit, you know? Is that with Nookie? I remember like I feel like Nookie was like their peak. That's the uh, that's the one with Roland. Roland, Roland, Roland. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> well, uh, you know, and I I saw them once in Grand Rapids. You know, way back we talked about that. Like, it, like, but like the and like the, that red backwards cap became like a symbol, and and now the forward facing red cap is another symbol. Isn't yeah. that weird? How history repeats itself in a weird, dumb way. Well, I mean, have you seen him lately? He's like, I think he's like dis- distancing himself from that, like because. Oh, I he wears so. like a he wears a wig now, and he looks like what? <laughs> yeah, he wears like like a like a like a silver gray wig, so it looks like he's like got like some major grandpa slash dad hair, and he's okay. got like a handlebar mustache. And I'm I don't know, like there's something to be said about Limp Bizkit as performers. There's, there's plenty to be said about Limp Bizkit. <laughs> we'll we'll discuss significant other eventually i'm sure we will because i think it's they might be like the kiss of their day i don't know that may be a bold statement um Um, okay i kind of dig that's all right i would say like uh maybe icp just because of the face makeup who i also met at a steak and shake once icp insane clown posse uh, i met him at a i met him at a steak and shake in michigan once oh really (laughs) yeah Uh, were you are you a low-key juggalo at one point no, not at all. No, I'm not. Uh, it's not for me. But uh, uh, 
I think they're allowed to do whatever. There's a lot of parallels between the Juggalo folks and uh, ravers in the 90s. I think there's a parallel to be drawn there for sure. Like, no, you don't get it. This is our shit, you know, and that kind of thing. Like community, you know, peace, love, unity, respect. But like they, they're, you know, they also like beat the hell out of each other and sprayed soda. I don't know. Uh, ICP, they're a, they're Detroit, right? They're a Michigan band. Yeah, they're they're Michigan. That's for sure. I think Detroit, maybe. Yeah, they're that's that's, that's a that's a weird. I, I don't even. It'd be fun to even delve into that, but just to experiment. But like, uh, I don't know much about it. But they're they're weird. They have like that insane following. That's a weird yeah. world. That's a weird. Is it the Carnival of Lost Souls? That's like their. I could be wrong, and I apologize if we have any jugglers listening or fans of ICP. I apologize. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I'm, I'm kind of an apologist. I mean, I, I, I'm not a fan or anything, but like uh, of, of the, of that group, but like, I don't know, live your life, do what you want to do. And if you want to, if that, if that entails wearing weird makeup and being up your friends for fun, then sure. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I'm not going to tell anyone how to have fun. So. Yeah. Violent J and Shaggy Two Dope. Violent J, Shaggy Two Dope. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. Like, I, I think like Limp Bizkit with like the, like, uh, like the. Sh- I don't want to say shock, but I mean, putting out a song called like Nookie, you know, like. Yeah. And then you have like West Borland on guitar who dressed up, you know, like. I always, I always dug that dude. Uh, I always thought that guy was cool. West Borland's badass. Like, yeah. I, I mean. I mean, Limbiscuit was going to be here in Austin, but they canceled their tour because we're back in stage five, which is the highest level where we are. So there's, I think everyone's kind of like holding their breath to see what's going to happen next. So we were looking so good for a minute there. We were looking good. Um, and then, uh... <laughs> man. So there was they were going to be at Stubbs, and there was talk of us going, but everything got canceled. He, they well, they canceled their tour. Um, Wait, is that is that Rammstein show still going to happen? As far as I know, because they, they rescheduled for September. Yeah, as far no. as I know, then. we could try. To, we could try to go to that one. That'd be awesome. Just do. Oh, I would love to do like a special edition episode <laughs> on on Rammstein. Absolutely. Hey, um, are, are the, are the schools right now, um, requiring masks? They are strongly encouraged. Uh Uh-huh. I'm, I'm rocking one. Uh, yeah. Cause right now, if you're listening to this in the future, and if you are listening to this in the future, I hope all of this is something of a distant memory and you don't have to even think about this, but there's a new, there's a new one. Yeah. Uh, and so that's what we're experiencing now. Um, so I'm playing it safe and my, my family is playing it safe. So we're just, we're still rocking masks. I mean, sure. Yeah. You kind of got that right. Um, it, it, it honestly, it saves me from having to like trim my mustache, you know, so <laughs> got, that, got that going for me. Yeah. Um, your, your, uh, lovely fiance is it? school teacher is she is she nervous about it are, are her kids wearing masks at school i think that i think the general like consensus of it is like i think they're being very cautious right now mm-hmm. you know, uh and i think a lot of them are sending to school with masks um 
at this point. That's, that's what I understand. That's kind of like really what I'm, what I'm seeing like online too. It's like uh, people will be like tweeting or, you know, talking on like Reddit and they're just like, yeah, I'm still sending my kid to school with masks or like I'm opting for virtual, which I think, mm-hmm. well, I think, you know, giving, having the option to do virtual until things are, you know, under wraps. Um, if the parents can swing it, sure, I guess, you know, but yeah. like, if, yeah, if, that's, if, that's if, thing. if mom and dad are working, then you kind of yeah. want to, you like your kids. Uh, does, does she have like the plexiglass things between the desks or anything, or are we, are we past that? I think we're past that. I, I think she, she's more excited than, than anything else, cool. you know, cause uh, absolutely loves teaching and just, yeah. Has known she has known since she was a little girl she wanted to be a teacher, and uh, yeah. so she I think she just is optimistic and excited about having kids back in her classroom. Absolutely. Um, and I think if anyone can if anyone can make the most of this situation, I think it, it's certainly her. She's just she's very very good at what she does. She's like what she's like Wolverine, you know. She's very good at what she does, but what she but what she does is pretty cool. Oh, that's really beautiful. And I, um, but um, if any listeners want to help out, want to help Jake's uh, uh, lovely teacher fiance, they can go to bit.ly, that's B-I-T dot L-O-I slash stay sipping, S-T-A-Y-S-I-P-P-I-N. And they can contribute to uh, her wish list on Amazon to help the kids. Thanks, man. Yeah. Like that was her first time doing like an Amazon wish list and and she was like, I don't know, should I do it? You know, should I, you know? And I was like, absolutely, like, go for it. I mean, you're the most deserving person that I know. And, you know, and so she she did it. And uh, I know, like, like I said, if anyone can make the most of this craziness, uh, it, it's certainly her. I, I feel like so much has, like, happened since our last episode. Like, so much, like, like serious stuff. So we're just, like, like <laughs> talking to, like, a very, like, like <laughs> thoughtful, like, discussion oh yeah and yeah yeah and oh, we're gonna okay, get yeah. to like the, the silliness when we the silliness when we talk about elliot smith uh, yeah yeah <laughs> oh how silly will that be <laughs> um, a, a, a movie came out not yes. about stock 99 yeah and uh very very excited to to talk about it uh elliot yeah what Jake? did you think what did you think of suicide of the suicide squad uh, I really enjoyed the Suicide Squad. I enjoyed it a great deal. <laughs> so yeah, um, so James Gunn, after getting uh, <clears throat> fired from Marvel for ancient tweets because it was a whole thing, and then, uh, but then also getting rehired, uh, made the Suicide Squad, which is a soft reboot of Suicide Squad. How mad is that director, the uh, David Ayer? Did he do the first one? He did the first one, but it was it was kind of like taken away from him, and they they gave the the final edit to the people that cut the trailer for it because the trailer <laughs> did the trailer did so well, and they're like, oh my god, well this these guys cut the movie, and the guys like, well what the director is like, wait what, and <laughs> that's why there's all these dumb needle drops in it and everything, and then they gave it to James Gunn, who's also pretty needle dropper. He he did all the Guardians of the Galaxy movies. There's a lot of needle drops, meaning uh, big pop songs being played. Um, but I enjoyed it. It's violent as shit and funny. Uh, Idris Elba is amazing. Uh, uh, King Shark stole the movie. I love me some David Des- Desmalchin. 
Is, so uh, the, the small chin. Polka dot man. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. He's the, he's the, he's the, you know, uh, it been in a bunch of stuff and he's in Ant-Man and uh, he's in the dark Knight. And all that. We, we, we were talking about him and how he's like, he's one of those, one of those, like maybe like a handful of actors to like find success. I think like Stallone is another one who did, he was one of the ravagers. Mm-hmm. Ravagers. Uh, not a ravager, but. He was, wasn't he one, like an old school? Wait, what was it? He was like an old school Ravager, wasn't he? He had a different crew in Guardians too. Yeah, he like, Yondu was part of his, I guess Michael, Michael Rourke. Is it Michael Rourke? Chris Platt. No. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Rooker, yeah. sorry. Rooker, Rooker. Oh, that was bugging me too. He's the dad in Mallrats. You know that's one of the that's that's one of those movies, kind of like Fight Club, that I'm in. I, I'm kind of ashamed that I haven't seen. You still haven't seen Fight Club? I started it. No, no, I start. I started <laughs> it. I haven't finished it. Okay, okay. Well, all right. No worries, man. Uh, we'll get to it. Don't uh, don't 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 rush to see Mall Rats, but it's funny. It's great. Kevin Smith's second movie, which is you know. Yeah, I feel kind of like bummed out because. At the time, I was like, I had missed out on Clerks and Mallrats, and I was just too young for Dogma. Did okay. you catch Dogma? Yeah. Which more uh, on that? More on that later. <laughs> what could uh, that mean? It, it all makes sense, brother. Um, so Uh-oh. my first like real big exposure to like. Oh, I got it already. Oh, you spoiler. Okay. All right, I figured it out. All right, <laughs> I figured it out. Okay, <laughs> I'm gonna. Say, I'm hoping. Wait, I'm, I'm hoping you're wrong. Hoping I didn't just blow. I'm so excited because there's more to it. There's more to it. Um, okay. All right. Okay. Uh, <laughs> my first exposure to like Kevin yeah. Smith movies was, was like Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. Oh, okay, yeah. I was like a weirdly big fan of his, like early on and all that. I, I think, I think my brother maybe watched Mallrats. I think that was my first exposure to him. Then I dug up Clerks, and then I'm like, this guy is funny. And like Stan Lee's in Mallrats, and like I got, you know, I was writing comics at the time, and so there's always a bunch of Mallrats ads everywhere, because um, they're really pushing the whole comic book thing about it. Because it's about a comic book collector, or whatever. It'd be like uh, seeing like advertisements for high fidelity inside your like yeah. vinyl purchases so um hey stop by sears <laughs> or something like that. sears do you need a new toaster you have no other option first thing, that was the first thing that popped to my i don't know sears isn't even open anymore <laughs> i don't think sears is a thing anymore but yeah it was a big r.i.p sears i guess they're fine um <laughs> what happened to sears that's a documentary that's going to drop on netflix i'm sure uh i will be there <laughs> I can't wait. Um, <laughs> but then, like, I, I, yeah, I, I liked Kevin Smith a lot. Um, I still do. I still like listen to his podcast and stuff because he's quite the orator. Yeah. But like, uh, like Clerks was fun and like more. It's funny. These aren't like good movies, but there's um, these amazing moments and like really quotable lines in them. But then Chasing Amy kind of blew me the fuck away. Oh, I about Chasing Amy. Chasing Amy. That's his third one, and it's that's that's like his kind of his. Well, still probably his best. Yeah, clearly his best movie. So it's it's pretty wild. The, the titular Amy. Joey just, Lauren Adams. Joey, Joey Lauren Adams? Nice. Were you a Boom. Joey Lauren Adams fan back then? 
Uh, I'm not gonna lie, who wasn't? I mean, honestly, I I, I liked her in Chasing Amy, and she was really good in Dazed and Confused. I was just gonna say, uh, Ben Affleck also in Dazed and Confused. Yeah, he is. Oh, yeah, that's right. Um, you know, Joy Lauren Adams dated Kevin Smith for a bit. Really? Isn't that wild? Not to say like, you know, I don't know, but you know what I mean. It's like, wow, okay. I always liked her voice. Like she had this. Like, she's got a really you fucker. Yeah, she's got a weird nasally voice. voice. Um, I I reckon I always know her from. Um, uh, she played Adam Sandler's love interest in uh, Big Daddy. That's that's. I think that may have been the first time I, I saw her. Oh okay. I think she was in Big Daddy. Oh my god! Am I second? Yes, yeah, she was in Big. Okay. Whew. Um, but no, uh, yeah, that, that, uh, the guy, the actor that played, um, polka, polka dot man, Desmalchin, Desmalchin. Yeah. He's one of those, like that. He's one of those few with Michael Rooker. And I would say Stallone also, who's like navigated between like the major comic book movies. Like, so yeah, he played like the, Oh, I didn't uh, realize he's in two DC movies now. Yeah. He's in dark Knight. Oh, I didn't even. Yeah, of course. Of course he is. Yeah. And he's in Marvel. Wow, that guy's getting work these days. He he's always good. He's a, he's a he's a very like striking presence on screen. Yeah, you know, well, like, he's an interesting looking guy, and he's a great actor. So I, I would put him up there with like Paul Dano. You know, like kind of like like he's got some Dano vibes. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Like yeah. not... D- Dano Dano's probably the better actor. David oh. it if you're listening, I'm so sorry, but like, come on, Dano is like, oh, I can't wait for the Batman. Oh man. Uh, put a the in front of any movie and I'm there for it. The Clearly. Suicide. Oh, so speaking of, um, what did you think of the Suicide Squad? I like, I liked it. I, you know, it was one of those where it was just like, oh, this is good. You know, like, mm-hmm. like I, I, you know, I had no, I had no qualms with it. Um, I thought it was just like an all around, like really just good movie. I thought it was really funny at times, uh, really touching. Um, I mean, Margot Robbie is just, the best you know <laughs> like i mean she's really taken that character and made it her own huh yeah i mean uh, i did a rewatch of um once upon a time in hollywood uh just oh couple- me too just the other day. really yeah 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 and she's so good like just- what if it, what if it was on the same night jake what if you watched once upon a time on the same night when did you watch it i don't remember when i did if it was monday then that's crazy <laughs> It might have been. Oh my god, what if it was? <laughs> oh my god, we had like a little five date. My my friend Justin calls it a five date when you watch a watch a movie with someone simultaneously because you're because you're watching the same. You're looking at the moon, yeah, and, like, and uh and someone else is looking at the moon at the same time, and next like, so you were fiveled because of five goes west. Whatever. Anyways, I like that better than a Joe Dirt date when Joe Dirt's like talking about looking at if his family is looking at the moon when he's looking at the moon i like that a lot better yeah it's better <laughs> uh but no i just uh she she's just just killer and i i saw she's actually going to be in the new wes anderson movie uh, uh, along with tom hanks so tom hanks is in a wes anderson movie yeah interesting I think it's called like the the French Connection. I may be wrong about that. Uh, well, that's an older movie. The French Dispatch. Okay. Dispatch. I've heard that. Yeah. Uh, you you like what's interesting? Um, some of his stuff. Uh, 
I mean, I'm, in, I'm into them. I like uh, I liked uh, Grand Budapest. Um, yeah, I didn't really watch Grand Budapest. Grand Budapest. Um, um, I remember Moonlight enjoying Kingdom. that one a great deal. Yeah, Moonlight Kingdom was cool. Um, uh, Royal Tenenbaums. Royal Ten. Yeah, I, I I recently like realized how much I love Gene Hackman. Oh yeah, he's the best. Like it's just that's kind of like a given. You're just like Gene Hackman. Oh yeah, he rules. You know. <laughs> But uh, yeah, Suicide Squad. Like there were a lot of it. Like like the intro. Like the I won't no spoilers because it just came out a week ago. So, um, but like the intro, and it really reminded me of Deadpool two when oh. uh, X Force. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they kind of <laughs> yeah the switcheroo of it all. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. We kind of start the movie, then like everyone dies, and you're like, wait, what? And then it's like, well, let's go back, and then. Actually, no, they were the other team. So a lot of characters in this movie. Yeah. A lot, of char- a lot of characters in the movie, a lot of big names in the movie that are murdered within like five minutes. Yeah, absolutely. Like, uh, I won't won't say names, but like there were a couple that I, I was like, oh, wow, like they're featured so prominently like in, in the trailer or poster and they're gone. Yeah. <laughs> and, and like some of them like went through like insane, you know, workout regimens like to get in like really good shape to be on screen for four minutes before their head explodes <laughs> like i'm like oh did they really have to do that uh flula borg spoilers whatever javelin like he got like shredded like to play javelin but he's on screen for like eight minutes max before yeah. getting shot up that was because I love he's funny like he's like a funny like actor like yeah he's really yeah he's really funny yeah um and then I was like hesitant to get into him because he's so off-putting I guess a little bit I'm like what is this guy's deal but he's like very funny he's really good on like uh Conan him and Conan are like buds it's really it's real fun I know him from he played like the villain in uh pitch one of the pitch perfect movies did he he played like a German uh a German acapella singer um He's got that insane accent, and like I'm like, is he? Is that a bit? But like, no, I think it's just, he just has a really, really deep, deep German accent. He's kind of like the German Russell Brand, almost. You know, like okay, no, I get, I get, I, okay, I get that. I get a very like acquired taste, maybe, but I, I yeah, I, I like him every time I see him. It's fun to see like a, an R-rated James Gunn movie because like you can imagine what like an R-rated Guardians would be, like like. Yeah, man, he he does not fuck around with the violence and all that. The act, the actor's name is uh, who played Ratcatcher. Looks like oh, she was great, Daniela Melqua. Uh, uh, yeah, one more time, she, Daniela Mel- Melqua. Looks okay. like it might be a um a, f- a French name. I think it's a, she. The actor actor's French, but what's she pause- from? I've never seen her before. I don't think, but she, but she was great. Oh, she killed it! Like I, I, I think she kind of stole like that last, the last part of the movie. Nothing that, nothing that I'm, I'm familiar with. Um, and, and and in the flashbacks, um, her father played by Taika Waititi. <gasps> really? Yeah, that, her dad was Taika Waititi in the flashbacks. Oh, okay, yeah. I need to go back and rewatch that. Oh, the flashbacks were heartbreaking. Were really, really yeah. sad. I got really upset when they brought um, 
<laughs> Idris, he's just Idris Elba because he has like a Deadshot, Deadpool, whatever name. I, what's his name in the movie? Oh, I don't know. God damn it. Uh, Death, Death Strike. Or <laughs> it's some, it's some. Death Strike is someone. It's like some Liefeldian name. Bloodsport. You know? Bloodsport. 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 No, that's like a Jean Claude Van Damme movie from the eighties. I don't believe you. Uh, <laughs> Bloodsport. It's one hundred. Okay, like the first thing that comes up uh, is Bloodsport character, and then right next to it is a shot of Jean Claude Van Damme. Yeah, at least Bloods. Yeah, he is Bloodsport. What the fuck? Okay, that's silly. Um, all right, I guess I believe you. Uh, he I was great. Like, I, I love. Feel like Stan Lee was the superior namer um, yeah. when it comes to superheroes. Yeah, yeah, Spider Man <laughs> nailed it. He did it. <laughs> Who needs lunch? <laughs> Who needs I'm, I'm going on break. Spider-Man. We're going to be yeah. rich. Like, draw it! <laughs> uh, yeah, I just... Idris Elba, who's... I, I don't want to say he's having a moment because he's, like, consistently, like, been good. Like He's been having a moment for quite some time now, man. And he's, like, the shit. His gun that, like, slowly throughout the movie, like, gets bigger and bigger and more ridiculous. And I, like, he just, like, turns a thing and, like, and, like, and, like, I called it, like, a Lego gun. He keeps on, like, putting things on it and, like, it expands. Oh, my God. I was on board. And he hates the rats. Oh, it's great. I'm going to watch it again. It's a, it's a, it's worth a rewatch, I think. You know what was neat? The, um, the big, the big villain, the big starfish thing was actually, uh, Starro. Starro was originally a, um, a suicide, uh, sorry, a uh, Justice League villain. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're they're all, they're all DC characters. Yeah, I I think it's it's really interesting to like I like I like I feel like with when watching like a DC movie because that's the universe I'm I'm not 100 percent familiar with. It yeah. It benefit it benefits and enhances the watch by having like your phone out or like your laptop so you can be like, what's going on here? Is this a real character and like 10 out of 10 times it a lot of times it's like a a one-off character you know or like a obscure character but i don't know it, it was it was good i i will certainly probably rewatch it well if anyone's gonna dig up like ancient characters that no one gives a shit about it's james gunn because yeah. after what he did with guardians it's, it's, it's insane like when they announced guardians like i was like wait who like i'm a comic book guy but like what um and they made it like the coolest shit ever so and, and I, I remember there was an article or someone was talking about it when Guardians of the Galaxy came out and it was so successful. Like it was like, okay, like you don't have to, you don't have to like make movies just on the big characters. Like you can like dig and pull up these kind of obscure characters and still have like a really good story and a really good product. Yeah. Um, I, mean, I don't think Polka Dot Man, the original, like I think he's probably in one issue of some random thing way back in the day but like i don't think he had the mom issues like yeah. in his character that was that was weird and, and hilarious like when he just yeah. like, that that giant starfish that's your mom oh no i, I was gonna say about, about idris we actually just learned last night i think that he's gonna be playing knuckles in the new song the hedgehog movie that's what i was gonna say yeah i uh, i love that so much um so he's got that great voice, and it's gonna be Knuckles because Knuckles is always like the badass, right? There's, okay, there's Sonic, oh. there's Tails, who is like the kid, and shows up at the end of Sonic, and then but then Knuckles is like a the I, red guy. That, yeah. that was a really good grunt. I, I, I that was that was good. 
That was my Idris grunt. Oh. That was good. <laughs> okay. I okay. I'm I'm just tripping because what I I was were you were you thinking tails? Yes, I was thinking. I was like, well, tails is kind of like a goofy, like goofy, like kind of like young character. Okay, that's gonna be interesting to eat yourself. Yeah, I was confused too, but because like um, tails shows up at the end of the Sonic the Hedgehog movie, um, which is crazy, and, it's like, and, and it and it sounds like Tom Holland or somebody, you know, like uh, I don't know who does the voice, but um, um. Which that would make sense, but uh, I love Idris Elba for t- for uh, sorry for Knuckles. That's cool. Yeah, I, that that makes a lot more sense, and I'm even more on board because I I love Idris Elba. You know, p- peeling an orange. He's just he's the best. Um, but you know, another movie that came out. Oh, um, here we go. Another movie that came out recently. Uh huh. This. Uh, Black Widow, you know, and I still haven't seen Black Widow. Well, that's okay. I feel feel ridiculous. I won't. I won't spoil anything. But there's like there's one part of the movie Uh that is is like visually stunning, you know. And Scott Chanson is just you know crushing this role, and um, it's just everyone's firing on cylinders. But there's one part of the movie where they're trying to trigger, they're trying to break someone out of prison. And all while avoiding a rush of snow. Uh-huh. And the snow is falling uh-huh. where they are, and it's gonna bury them. And wow. I remember sitting in the movie theater thinking, like, wow, that is one hell of an avalanche. Here we go. This week, Ellie and I, you know, we we uh, we we've been wanting, we've been like kind of like bouncing around because so much of our favorite music was created 
you know, from 90 to 99. Um, but a lot yeah. of it was also created in the early aughts. It really kind of spills over those late nineties, especially for me and like my guys, like, like the late nineties, it's like, uh, uh, it's like really has an up, up, up peak, uh, becomes exponential with releases and, and excellence. And it kind of spills over into the early aughts as well. And I think especially for like electronic music, that may be because, you know, technology was getting a little bit more advanced like yes sharing music was getting more advanced you can collaborate from across the world really i mean absolutely uh, so part I of it definitely understand that and um so we wanted to try something a little bit a little bit different this week and i, I do apologize for springing it on you listening we, back to our last episode I was all like, right out of nowhere no i know you, you, we talked about it but <laughs> I did, I did. we talked about it at length but then i didn't know you were, we were gonna do it that episode that's all that's all because i wanted to look but then of course I, I i was immediately calmed by like looking at my 2000 list and i was like oh well then sure i got it it's gonna be if we're gonna do if we're gonna talk about uh, music from the from the year 2000 the year 2000 there's no other electronic album to talk about um more, I should say, than the avalanches since I left you. Jake, what'd you think? Oh, I loved it. This was, it's pretty good. This was such a treat to listen to. It's glorious. The avalanches, I don't know why, they're, they're one of those bands, and I think I mentioned last episode, they're one of those bands that have like, I've seen the name for as long as I can remember, but I thought they were yep. like, for some reason, I thought they were like a New York indie rock band like in the vein of like the strokes mm -hmm. or, like the yeah yeah yeahs yeah uh well, they're on every list every like best of list like if you're, if you're looking at uh you know at the at that uh late 90s early early aughts thing they're, they're on every list of like um best you know electronic albums of the 90s and and, and aughts aughts how many times can i say aughts um you ought to say uh, I, uh, <laughs> episode title. All right, uh, uh, but like it, it got, it, it was released to much acclaim, um, and these guys, which I, which I didn't realize, uh, are Aust Aussies. They're Australians, just like Natalie. Yeah, I, I, I think they're. I think they might be the first Australian electronic band we've had. Um, yeah, I believe so. I mean, we've had predominantly, you know, UK sprinkling some American, um, but I think mm -hmm. it's going to be our first Australian uh, group. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. Um, so, yeah, the Avalanches are it's essentially two guys and uh, and their buddies, like on their, their friends on guitar, on, on, on scratching, on, you know, on the turntables, on drums, whatever they need. Um, but they made this album. Um, they, they put it together in, the, in you know 98, 99, and it released it in, in 2000, and it kind of exploded and became this like really like definitive uh, album. They were kind of combining that big beat sound with this um, um, like the the that kind of like with the Chemical Brothers psychedelics, and um, and then like also with like the almost DJ Shadow-esque lower tempos and big and like large beats like in, in with like hip-hop influence but with all these like um, 
60s and 70s like bass lines and they and they um i sent you a link to that there's like a i sent jake a link to this this uh like 15 minute documentary of like how they kind of put it together and they that would was just, really interesting they would just go to these like flea market nonsense things and like just and like get all these records that like just looked interesting and then like you know rip through them and try to find little samples there's like purported like one of the one of the producers one of the two guys or whatever says like there's like 3500 samples on the album and it's probably more like 900 um it's it's like another it's a kind of another album that's um what's certainly sample heavy uh, but with some live instrumentation um but it's like another record that's made out of other records but they put it together in this like beautiful like um euphoric kaleidoscopic uh, collage of sound um, and it's just it's pleasant it's like pleasant and dreamy but also danceable and like fun it's kind of telling a story and like you don't really know what's going on um, there's just lots and lots of uh, lots and lots of stuff it's, it's quite dense there's lots of sounds going on all the time they're doing a lot of panning kind of like basement jack does where like right speaker left speaker like stuff like in the background all the time um, and it became like this gigantic hit, uh, certainly in Australia and then, and then in Europe. And they were worried about an international release because of how many samples they got. And they don't like remember what records they <laughs> recorded. Uh, you know, they, like, uh, we don't know. There's a part in that documentary I sent that's 50 minutes long. We're like, yeah, we don't know the, the labels on French. Can you help us like find what the sample is and like make sure we're clear and all that. They were nervous to release it internationally, so it had like a kind of a delayed trickle into the U.S. and the end, finally, and like I think a one. Um, but these two dudes just like dug up all these records, started sampling stuff, making loops, and then um, sending them to each other. Um, and, and like, and they kind of used like the uh, postal service method, where they would like like um, put a loop down, like kind of make a track, mail it, mail each other tapes. Uh, simultaneously and they would just add, keep adding to it and it's um it's uh it's like a little milestone of a like it perfectly encompasses what uh the electronic music vibe and scene was at this moment in the year 2000 i'm glad you sent that you sent over that documentary because it was really cool because you know we've talked about it at length about you know sampling and you know, I've seen you sample, you know, live and stuff, but I've, I've always been curious about how you could create like an album, like DJ Shadows, like introducing or, 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 you know, or since I left you, you know, and it was, it was actually really fascinating to see, to see them go around and like, just dig. And, and I think at one point, one of the, one of the guys in the band were just like, we're not trying to spend a lot of money on on the records we have you know we you know we're just trying to you know just see what we can find essentially and so it yeah was, it was wild it was wild seeing these like these djs just go in there and just pick like random records like stuff you would probably find like in a dollar bin you know like if yeah. you go to a record store a day and yeah. create and i wish i i wish i would have wrote it down but it uh, I was folding clothes while watching it. <laughs> uh -huh. um, but I think it's like he's saying like, he talks about, or they're talking about like taking something that, you know, might not be 
that great or something like obscure and making it something great you know like yeah. taking a sample and making it uh something new uh, yeah. which is really neat and there's one part where one part where they were talking about how they play the stuff live and how they how they have like midi going on and how they have like a four to eight second sample on one key and they were like jamming with it and it was i i honestly had never seen it from that angle of course i've seen it at shows and stuff but never behind the scenes um, yeah and it, it's while he was like on one he's like yeah i'm gonna send you a cd with one of the samples you know so you know and i i, I guess i assume he's talking to a producer or a collaborator but thinking of like having to like mail a cd they're using like a very like crude like version of i, I don't know what music software it was but I I heard I absolutely adored this this record. It was such a wonderful listen. Um, I don't know why after drinking like red wine, I, I turned into a wonderful you know stretch my words out you know such a good. Ah, no, it's good. It's kind of a red wine album. Yeah, yeah. It's like either like a you know like a dinner. It's a good dinner party album. I was playing it last night when I had friends over to play Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> And like, um, and some people are like, well, who is this? And then and like, I'm like, it's Avalanches. And then, you know, a couple of people are like, oh yeah, I, I, this was like the soundtrack to my college years and all that. Um, uh, it's, it, it's, it's, it's so, it's just, uh, it's not gonna offend anyone. They're not, there's not a lot of rock and roll going on here, but, but there is like, you know, there's some hip hop, it's, but it's, it's so not a non-aggressive and like, and like, just lush, you know. Yeah, it's um, a perfect word for it. Yeah. How, how influenced by DJ Shadow do you think the Avalanches were? Um, I don't know. I think they used like similar methods because I think they used similar gear um, and 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 the heavy sampling and all that. Like you know, going through these records and like finding finding clips that they're they're into. Um, uh, it's certainly more like while 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 Shadow is so sparse and like uh, really lets things, you know, lie. Um, they're they're just piling it all on, and it's like really you know that's when you get the, the kaleidoscopic um, collage of it all. Um, so they're kind of like the VH, they're kind of like the MTV to Shadow's VH1. <laughs> like I'll take Shadow, that. <laughs> Shadow, <laughs> Shadow really like likes to go like um, make the most out of the least. Uh, that he adds to a song, you know, like like um like I'll use these samples here, like really let it breathe. Well, these guys are like, let's throw it all in. There's always something going on in the background. Um, I watched this Brian Eno documentary like years ago, and like he said something that like stuck in my head, where he was like, I want to make music where um, Brian Eno, like the producer who did like all the U2 shit, and then like, but it also makes like weird, um, you know, ambient electronic stuff. Uh, he, like, he said, uh, I want to make music where if you hear something outside or like a bird chirp or like a truck drive by, you're not really sure if it's on the record or not. Like, and like, I think that's kind of like what they're going for here. It's this, it's this, um, you're just kind of in this world and it's like a, like a tunnel of, of sound and there's always something going on and it's, uh, it's, but, but you're, ne you're never like lost you're never like overwhelmed it's just taking you on this lovely little ride to a adventure absolutely uh one of the things i noticed that was different from a lot of the albums we listened to 
a lot, a lot of the electronic albums we listen to is how a lot of the songs in this one are really short. Yeah, some of them are quite short. And um, I was hoping, would, I was trying to think back on our on what we've covered before and what I've had you listen to. Um, the whole thing connects; it all overlaps. Every song melds into yes. <clears throat> melds into the next one like a DJ mix. Um, so you can listen to the entire hour-long album in one sitting, so all the way through. Um, uh, which I think is, it's a, it's a new one for Sip and Mimos and like blurring the lines between album and DJ mix. Like it's like an interesting idea where like, well, oh, there's like a, like there's like the DJ album where it's like, the, the idea that like every song melds into the other um, is the, you know, it's the, uh, it's the opposite of a fade out, which I enjoy so much. Uh, yeah. You know, so the whole thing is its own piece. And while there are, you know, songs that became singles um it would be difficult to like get the idea of the whole thing with just one or two tracks like it's a whole cohesive story and like this is a this this kind of music when i heard this was like this is exactly where i want to be this is exactly what kind of what kind of stuff i want to do like this this is sound collage yeah you know yeah i i'm first listening i thought like this is what I feel like if Daft Punk wanted to make like a DJ Shadow style album produced from just like samples of obscure records, like this is what it would sound like. Yeah. You know, um, it was like, it was fun and funky and also it had some like, one of the things, I lo- one of the things I've loved most about listening to, you know, these electronic albums that are um, predominantly instrumental is how you know, these artists are able to create like a mood and create how to make me feel like like badass you know like something like like the crystal method you know yeah. like I listened to uh, I, I I had an opportunity to visit Las Vegas recently and um, you know we played at Super Safe so we were there and masked up and everything mm-hmm. and uh, to my surprise uh, the Crystal Method was actually playing in the airport it was High Roller off Vegas was it really? you, you, you it totally was oh. and uh, how cool also, is that? Uh, Kirkland and Jordan are the guys yeah it's on my that they were actually on they were actually on the screen in the airport, uh, welcoming people uh, to, uh, to the McCarran Airport. I'm just kidding. <laughs> do you think? Do you think when you when you land in Sydney, uh, Natalie and Brilia and the Avalanches are like, "Hi, welcome to Sydney." I'm like, I'm on the video. I would 100% like. <laughs> that is really like 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 the Hemsworth brothers. Like we'd like to welcome you to Australia. <laughs> and, and and Margot Robbie. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to Sydney. It, uh, it's oh, like my Australian my Australian friend's gonna love this. <laughs> Do we have a listener in Australia? Yeah, hi Lauren. Uh, yeah, my friend Lauren out. In, uh, <laughs> I'm not sure where, and but uh, she's out in Australia. Uh, hi, hi Lauren, thank you for listening. She dug she dug our Natalie episode, so she'll probably listen to this one. She's like, oh yeah, avalanches, they're great. <laughs> she's gonna hate my impression. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, but being like 
like uh, pulling up into the email. It's when we were leaving, actually. So, uh, uh-huh. but I was walking and and I was like, I heard high roller, and I I couldn't Shazam save my life because there's just so much going on, especially in an airport. Oh sure. But I but there's like that there's like that one line in that song that when you you know when you listen to most of that Vegas album, like you you just feel like yeah you know like let's i feel like a badass i feel like i'm gonna go you know put it all on black or put it all let's let's fuck shit up yeah you know and and and, but also there's like there's times like on like you know our chemical brothers record where it's like makes you like kind of like pensive and you're thinking about oh like this this music like these like these um these movements on this record are you know even though they're you know instrumental but they're making me feel you know like sullen or you know like it makes you makes you like it takes you has the ability to take you to a certain place and i think it's all like i think it it, it's all chemical in your brain and it's what your brain connects certain patterns uh pads you know too and, and i think that i think it's what's beautiful about electronic electronic music what i've come to discover is beautiful electronic music is that like it has this ability to to use samples to use synthesizers uh scratching to like create like a mood for its listener and it's truly been one of my my favorite things about discovering all this music mm-hmm. um and the, this Avalanche record is is, is no exception. Um, I, I I really truly enjoyed it. I mean, I think my favorite song on the record is Frontier Psychiatrist. Oh my god! Okay, that's great. Cause like, uh, me too. <laughs> I mean, that's like, your favorite? Uh, the, 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 beyond the title track, since I left you, yeah. Because I, I, that, that's like a, a miraculous tune. Um, the horns like the are great and, and like um but then they got all these like samples um that are that the samples are rhyming with each other which is yes oh which is astonishing how did you how did they do that it was i mean and i think um according to the wikipedia it was it, it they sampled a a comedy routine by two comedians named uh wayne and schuster and i think they're the they're the two guys talking over the song um i just it it was i I think so far i think it's like been the most like it's it's my favorite most seamless sampling that that we've listened to like i i just i i adored that song it's it's pretty impressive and uh laborious it must have taken them a long time to figure that one out and like uh so like i think it w- this sounds like a chemical brothers album if they had used the dj shadow method like you know it because i know they were going for that kind of that that big beat sound like they really they were big fans of chemical brothers and they like like, like uh the avalanches were fans of block rock and beats which is on dig your own hole and i'll be having a couple yet but we'll get there um, uh, but like they, so they were influenced by that big beat thing. But they and um, and they also like have that like that Chemical Brothers psychedelic thing going on. Like 
and I think in the, even in that doc, I said, you know, like, they're like, it's like a 60s movie. It's like going to the movies in the 60s. We want this like weird, you know, stringiness to it and like this throwback kind of like vibe. And um, and then like the shadow stuff comes in where we lower the tempo and it's it's also um, uh, what you, I think we're getting at where you can, it's contemplative. Like, like you're, you're, you, you can let your mind wander a bit and explore this world that we're in now. And, and it doesn't have to be dancing. It doesn't, doesn't even have to be drums in this song. It could just be like weird stuff happening. And I think it's, uh, there's a reason it's on every list ever for like this kind of stuff, so. Absolutely. And, you know, there was, I heard a lot of like New York hip hop, Chatter and Seltman, Seitman. I, I believe so. That sounds about right. Uh, Darren and Robbie, I imagine they were probably like heavily. I mean, as as most people, I imagine would be like were heavily influenced by like er, like '90s hip hop. Um, for I the aforementioned Frontier Psychiatrist, it the the production reminded me a ton of what you hear on like the Wu Tang Clan's debut album, Enter the Thirty Six Chambers. Oh. Um, reminded me a lot of that. Um, Stay another season. Uh, reminds me of a lot of like Tribe Called Quest stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, like so, like if like Q-Tip or Five Dog, you know, showed up and like did a verse on it, I don't think it would be out of left field. I think it would like fit perfectly. Yeah. Um. Uh, another, another favorite was uh, Two Parts and Three Fourths Time. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, that that's an awesome one. And I I used to play that all the time when I was uh, like. If I was like DJing earlier in the day, like uh, I used to have a, a a gig in New York where I'd play like from like five to ten, and that's like a nice like kind of what's well, like dinner party music, right? So like it's a good like seven p.m. track, you know, because yeah. uh, you can you, you can dance to it or you can like eat a burger to it. It's like kind of this great. Yeah, it, it reminded me, uh, and we Ellie and I have talked off air about about this band, but. It reminded me of like Passion Pit, you know, and oh yeah, okay. Especially in like that first EP, he did that chunk of change EP early yeah. on. Um, are you are you a big Passion Pit guy? I love Passion Pit. Like, did I, did I tell you my Passion Pit remix story? <sighs> it, it it makes me salty um, that, that that it happened the way it did, but proud. Oh, that, okay. you know, we have a show together at the same time. <laughs> so I did tell you, okay. Right. <laughs> I'm, uh, not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, it's fine. That's still pretty cool. Like, to be beaten by the guy in the band, that's pretty cool. Yeah. But I had the Kerouac sample, damn it. All right. But I don't want to, I don't want to, <laughs> we don't, we don't have time for tangents anymore. <laughs> uh, no, this is, it was great. I mean, I'm just going through my, but my 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 heart list radio um yeah uh flight tonight uh close to you different feeling and of course electricity we're just electricity i think electricity was like their uh like their uh one of the earlier tunes that had they had worked out and sent to the label to like get the deal for them to like uh even get like you watch that doc we don't have yeah. to keep talking about it, but like they're there's broke dudes in Australia, like they, they don't have anything. So like um, they're like, well, we instead of booking studio time, let's just just give us the gear so we can work throughout the night and make this album. And man, what an investment that turned out to be. 
like because you can you can like you, you, the, the the dog that sorry maybe we can link to this like on our our instagram or something but like uh you could say like the label owner getting a little nervous like how many when's the album done are you close like like but because he's like kind of investing a lot of money and time because he bought them all those gear so they can make this album and it paid back in a big bad way because it ended up being like a legendary album yeah and that was the other thing you know like the the band's like time between albums took a dude a lot of time this is my this is my, like one of my next points maybe and maybe uh one of my final but like um like uh they made this thing seemingly in like a few weeks um but of course but like after having time and and uh you know a lot of time to, together and sampling and mailings mailing cds and tapes back and forth with each other and they finally get in the studio and put it all together um and master it and everything they don't put out another album after this for 16 years. That's 16 cool. years. That's a long um, time. <laughs> well, uh, something similar happened to another band we've covered here where, where they had a, um, a giant hit in like the late 90s and or early aughts um, and then kind of sat on it for like a long time and like didn't, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's like, um, well, um, the 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 anxiety of having to put out a follow up to something that's that got so big, which I I get that. Like, um, but uh, um, the same thing kind of happened to the Prodigy. Like after Fat Out of the Land, they didn't put out anything for a long time. I think it was also too like, um, the dance music scene became such so much its own thing, and it really changed and became very uh you know drop heavy and like um and uh what these are the sub genres you can pick from and you have to do an album of this while these guys were just trying to fuck around and make something different and new and unique truly and and absolutely contemplative well i don't know do you want to burn out or fade away um like if they were releasing it an album every two years like the chems did the chemists just kind of found their the chemical brothers kind of found their own way, and it's like okay, every two years or two or three years we're going to release something. We kind of have our sound now, um, and I don't think that doesn't mean necessarily that the Avalanches or the Prodigy were um, not making music in all those those years, but they just like didn't feel comfortable. Like, well, I don't know where we where we land in this world. Like, uh, also Shadow took a really long time between introducing and the private press, uh, which is another astonishing album. Um, it's quite close to introducing in, like, uh, I think, in quality. But uh, sometimes sometimes for these guys, um, it takes a long time for them to, to come up with something. And, uh, uh, and I think, you know, I don't know, take your time and, and at least make it your own. And like, I, I, don't, I wouldn't want anyone to get to, I think the project kind of got sucked into the genre of it all. And uh, I'm not t as familiar with Wildflower, Avalanche's follow-up to this one as I should be, but um, uh, I can't imagine it's as good as this, you know? I can I can imagine for for groups like like the Prodigy and the Avalanches to, to make such like genre-defined, and, and DJ Shadow to make 
like such like genre defining albums. You know, like the blue like the blueprint for everything that came after. I imagine there might be some level of pressure, maybe like how are we gonna top this? You know, I, I mean, yeah. I know. I remember, like, I, I know, like, as as a songwriter, whenever I write a song that you know people seem to enjoy, like at open mics and stuff, I know, like, writing that next song, like, oh, I really hope they enjoy this one as much as they like the other one, and that's just as me playing for my buddies, you know, like, mm-hmm. I can't imagine like on a worldwide level. Um, but what's cool is, it, from what I understand, it, and it looks, I mean, well, of course, the Prodigy, they're, you know, they were legendary and always will be. Uh, and from what I understand about the Avalanches, they, have, they had a pretty, like, uh, prolific um, yeah. l- uh, live career where they would d- DJ and have just, like, really great, like, live shows, you know? And that's just from what I kind of gathered from from reading so it's it's not like they just like made them disappeared and then came back like they were still like working and you know own, I mean honing this craft of of being just like masters of like the sampling genre. Yeah, from what I understand, at least in Australia, they were like you know big festival headliner hits. You know, like uh, and I want, maybe maybe that's part of it too. They're so far away from everyone globally. You know, like uh, yeah. Uh, it's like a little tricky to get everywhere. Did you notice the um, sample they used from one of your artists? I was I was listening, but I I, I didn't pick up on anything. I, I'm gonna kick myself for not picking it up. Um, they sample "Holiday" by Madonna. Really? Yeah. <laughs> on what song? In, in one of your faves, uh, "I Stay Another Season." You can hear a boom, dum, boom, boom, boom. So under my radar. It's 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 pretty subtle, but like it well, it's subtle. It's, it, we don't hear our vocals or anything because they would have gotten in a lot of trouble for that. But I think <laughs> they sample holiday because they thought it was funny. Like, uh, <laughs> and you also know, like boom 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 boom. I heard it's in, um in stay another season. I thought they used the same sample that Len used for the '99 for the '90s iconic song "Steal My Sunshine." The boom, oh, boom, boom, and I, I, I could not connect the connect the pieces. But I was like, I swear this is Len. <laughs> Len, wow, okay. <laughs> but final thoughts on the Avalanches. I know this is your recommended. Like, where do you think this one stands? Because this, I mean, 2000, I mean, this is what, 21 years to go now. I, I'm, I'm glad that we were able to explore the year 2000 uh, and break the rules a little bit. There's, there's a reason it's it was my immediate 2000s pick. I think it's um, uh, it's kind of stuff of legend now and and uh, and it's, it's just kind of brilliant. It's, um, this is lightning in a bottle. It just happened all of a sudden and no one was really ready for this this album to define the year and it just kind of came in like an avalanche and that's that's all i can say about it i think it's brilliant
So my album for this for this episode, uh, yes. came about I like like Elliot said, like we hadn't like we talked about it, but we hadn't like pulled the trigger on it or anything. But last episode, uh, my partner Elliot was wearing yeah. I, I I argue an iconic T-shirt that featured yep. just two letters, L.A. It was great. Yep. It had some horizontal lines on it. Mm-hmm. As soon as he jumped on this Zoom screen, because we're still Zooming, because mm-hmm. you know, the world is the way it is. Because yeah, um, people are stupid. Absolutely. <laughs> I will except, not argue except, with it. Except will, for us. We're smart. I will not argue with it. Um, and I, I think I was going to bring like a like a Smashing Pumpkins album from what I remember. Mm-hmm. Um, but as soon as I saw Elliot's shirt, I was like, okay, like I got to break the decade rule. Mm-hmm. Uh, so my album for this week is um, is from the year 2000 as well. Uh, oh, yeah, 2000. And it is by one of my favorite artists. I think I, I argue one of Elliot's favorite artists. Uh, yeah. Mr. Elliot Smith. And that album is 2000's Figure Eight. Figure Eight. The shirt thing, uh, so if you look at the album artwork for this, um, it features Elliot Smith in front of a mural and he's wearing the LA shirt. Yes. So when I saw that shirt, I was like, it's a sign. And yeah, um, th- there's a reason I have that shirt. Um, there's a reason I, ha- I have, you know, photos of me in front of that mural. And the reason, there's a reason to break the rules because, um, I mean, I don't know. We were talking like favorite albums that we've recommended for each other. Uh, you know, I've been I, I liked Eve Six. I liked Corn. I enjoyed Rob Zombie a lot. Um, but this is, <laughs> but like, but this is uh, we're we're getting next level here, man. Elliot Smith is. Um, no, I, I I don't know if I can think of a better artist. Um, uh, or when it's like touch people more, or um, um, I feel like I'm gonna, um, I'm gonna get emotional talking about him. Um, okay, it's okay. I don't know, like Tom York can fuck right off. This is like my favorite singer. Like, um, you know, last episode I talked about like having a connection with my sister with Natalie and Brulia, but like that can fuck right off as well because Elliot Smith was was something like that uh, we all agreed on, like. My brother and my and both my sisters like they were obsessed with Elliot Smith and I and I and they I guess it kind of introduced me to the, to him and all that and um like this guy is otherworldly good at what yeah. he does and he's I don't know uh, what would he be like I don't I don't know like the uh, the the Bob Dylan of the nineties like 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 he yeah. he's he's unreal the way he records and sings and harmonizes with himself every song he's like singing it eight times over and like harmonizing so it's this like um weird otherworldly almost um uh vocals i can't think of a poet i enjoy more um edgar Allan poe fuck right off like like um uh uh this guy is just he's the real deal and he's it's unbelievable it's heartbreaking i i think i probably enjoy his 
one of the shittiest things to say as like a music critic, and I guess we are music critics now, is to like, I enjoy the earlier stuff better. Like, it's, that's a kind of like a shitty like, cop out thing to say. Um, but like, um, I, him without drums and, and uh, him stripped down a bit is, it feels more fitting to me. But, um, but, 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 but I, I don't give a shit because this is an incredible. This album's amazing. Every song on here is awesome. I, I was just listening to this album, like doing laundry today, like in color bars comes on and I'm like tearing up. It's, 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 it's breathtakingly good. And, uh, uh, everyone needs to stop everything and just listen to this guy's stuff. If you haven't heard Elliot Smith, please go listen to him. Oh my God. I'm, I'm so happy you, you, you feel that way. And, enjoyed this one um it, it's a very important album to me uh it sounds like there's a lot of like connection to elliot smith um with you and your family and you are famously named after elliot smith right <laughs> <clears throat> i think i was named after elliot gould the, <laughs> uh, who who played monica's dad and friends i think i was named after that guy my parents just liked his name and uh, I am one T, and Elliot Smith is two Ts. So, I blame Elliot Smith for like every messed up text message I've sent you since <laughs> we've been friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm just like, oh, I'm sure if you like go back at like like you know years ago when I started texting, you know, uh, like, man, this this dude keeps on texting me with two Ts. What's up with that? <laughs> I blame Elliot Smith. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this two Ts thing is like a the. T- uh, I'm two L's, one T, and it's 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 very uh, in the Elliot community. It's very much, <laughs> very what, much what are debated. The Elliot Facebook boards like what? <laughs> oh, they're all they're all shitheads. I always joke that like any time I meet another Elliot, we have to like fight to the death. <laughs> and I've only met, I've only met like a handful of other Elliots, but I'm like, oh, my name's Elliot. Elliot too. We're gonna fight to the death. What are the earliest like memories you have? Uh, of of Elliot Smith of of this artist, uh, it was drinking coffee with my sisters and listening to Elliot Smith, or or driving them to school and listening to Elliot Smith, or um, seeing Goodwill Hunting and uh, Elliot Smith like scored the movie, or or uh, at least I think music directed it or whatever he did. He put a lot of his music into it and like added these beautiful strings. Like all of a sudden, the Goodwill Hunting soundtrack needed to be a record that I owned. The song Angelus was it became like this justice um i would like i, w- I wouldn't feel right putting it on a, on a mix cd for someone because it felt too important like that's how that's how much this guy meant angelus was the talk about that's the song that was playing as matt damon is that that final shot of him in the car driving to california isn't it or i believe i believe it might close out the movie yeah i don't know um uh but like I would, I would like write his lyrics on my um, art board in art in art school. Um, okay, we had these like art boards. We would like put our big newsprint pads on, and we would of course like you know like scribble things on the sides of it and all that. You know, like putting stickers on a skateboard. We put stickers on them and like whatever. Uh, like just, just these big boards with clamps on it, like, very '70s style. Like uh, just like write some of his lyrics on there, and like and like so I, I see it every day and stuff like that. My sister and I went to Los Angeles a while ago and uh, we were in the neighborhood where the figure eight mural is. And so of course, like that's like the yeah, first thing we did was find out, find out how to park the car, which is a pain in the dick. 
And then, <laughs> and then the second thing we did was uh, go to the murals and like kind of pay our respects and and like and you know of course you gotta get a photo in front of it like the way he is like standing in front of the sink with the LA eighty four shirt on the, the mural's been like destroyed and then like repurposed the the mural has like this long history uh, after the album came out where people would like you know. Businesses would try to paint over it. There's a business now that like sells fucking tacos or whatever the hell it is that like cut into the mural, which is a bummer. But like uh, the 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 place where he stood is still there. And if anyone tries to to graffiti over it, fans revolt and like head there and repaint it um, wow. because like because uh, it's it's now a landmark, you know, uh, like like the like the Joe's Coffee, I love you so much thing can go fuck off here in Austin. Like, like fuck off. This is the Elliott Smith mural. And, and it's just, you know, he didn't paint it, but it's just there. It, it, it means, it just means a lot. Uh, it's special. And, and like, uh, so after my sister and I went to the mural and all that, and like uh, probably, you know, uh, you know, played some Elliott Smith later that night, we went to like a, you know, dumb t-shirt shop there in LA, like in, in Hollywood and all this, like, and, and there, there was the the t-shirt with like the LA 84 thing wow. that's how that's how iconic the the that that album cover is and like I just you know instead of my sister like look, look what they have and she like, flipped the fuck out and so of course we have matching t-shirts now um, oh I love that he's wearing a uh, well it looks to be a, uh, <laughs> a like a long sleeve tee with a hoodie over it um, yeah, it's almost I, I like a, it's almost like a sweatshirt or something. Like it's like a sweatshirt, yeah, because it has like the uh, the the cut from like the neck to the under the arm. It's yeah. not like right. It's not like right at the shoulder. Uh, so <laughs> it's not um, it's not movie quality, Elliot Smith. But uh, it, <laughs> but I do enjoy that I have it, and I think it's really cool. <laughs> um, no, I. It's one of those things where it's like I, I saw you wearing that shirt on our zoom meeting and i was yeah. just like oh, oh okay we need we're talking about this album next time like that's just the way it rolls love it um dick tell me about your history with the album so i i just graduated high school and i i, I was working in this after school care job and i had one of the coolest co-workers ever and we we're like talking about music and I, I was I I was just kinda like scratching the surface of of everything, you know, of, of music, of politics, of movies, you know, I was just kind of I know there's a whole world to get into, but I haven't cracked into it yet. And I was going to I was going to school um, in San Antonio and Admittedly, I was a little, I was rudderless. That's the way I would describe myself. It was mm -hmm. 2007, 2008. Just didn't really know what I wanted to do. I was playing, I was playing in a couple bands. Didn't really know what, what I wanted to do with anything. And this coworker, um, she was like, "Oh yeah, I, I was just listening to Elliot Smith." You know, and I remember thinking like, "Oh, oh, oh, cool. You know, cool. You know, like, yeah, cool." Oh, uh -huh. <laughs> you know, and uh, not knowing. Too. <laughs> yeah, you know, not knowing anything. And I went to Hogwild Records in San Antonio, oh. which is, is is so 
culturally important to San Antonio, uh, to Texas, I would argue. Um, and it was right across the street from my community college where I was attend where I was going to school. And I remember walking in and like flipping through records and seeing the great and being like, oh, oh, this this is the guy. This is that guy that, you know, I acted like I knew who it was, you know, like a, a couple weeks ago. And I'd only bought one other record before. I inherited my parents' records, but I, I hadn't really bought a record. And I just started working, so I, you know, so I had a paycheck, and I was like, you know what, like I, I'm gonna buy this. And I, I bought it, and it was at a, a say 2008, 2009, one of those. And I'll never forget. It was cold. It was like a like an unseasonably like cold Texas fall. Mm-hmm. And I remember as like so many 20 something early 20 well I was I guess I was 19 20 early 20s something to go through I was like going through, you know having one of those nights and I can just I can remember it so clearly because it was like midnight and I put this record on for the first time and I heard the, and I heard the first you know the first opening piano chords of Son of Sam mm-hmm. when the band kicks in with that slide guitar yeah and I can just remember it being late and I didn't want to disturb the neighbors so I turned it kind of lower but just sitting in front of the the record player and just listening to this record front to back putting it back on when it was when it ended absolutely taking like I have I had like a is back in the days uh, of like <laughs> the date my the date the date myself of like uh, having like a pocket camera kind of thing, you know? Uh huh. And just oh. like 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 a like a what are they called like cool pics kind of thing? Or like an Instacam kind of like whatever. Instacam, yeah. Like, and I would I was like just just disposable would, camera like the. It was it was a digital so. Oh oh okay. But the one you can like, I remember, I never forget the commercial was like, you can like slip it in your pocket, you know, um, which seems so far away from, from 2021. But I remember being so moved by this yeah. album. Mm-hmm. It's like, I just, you know, I started, it was almost like, like the, in hearing Elliot, Elliot Smith's voice and hearing these orchestrations, it like, it almost like unlocked something in in me to see like the simple like beauty of things just sitting around the house you know i and i still have these photos you know they're like of a lamp or or i always had in my old house in san antonio i always had christmas lights you know just mm-hmm. it'd be june and i'd have christmas lights because they made me happy mm-hmm. um <laughs> and so I just took pictures of my Christmas lights and it's just, it allowed me to see just like this, like the simplistic, just beauty of, of everyday life, you know? And I think that, I think being able to see that was, you know, after listening to this artist just sing, you know, and who didn't have like a, 
you know, up until then, like I, I listened to like, you know, historically like good vocal, quote unquote, good vocalists, you know, mm-hmm. but hearing this like almost like, like tiny, quiet voice, like sing on these songs. Like I, it just hit me in such a way that it, it unlocked something in me and and it i i i feel like this one this this album was a was was such a stepping stone for me to to really see i don't i I know it sounds silly but i you know i'm sorry i was 18 19 20 at the time like the like the the true art in music you know it it was a in in every definition of the word, it was a seminal album for yeah. me. And I just it, this this one this one was huge. It, it was a very like big album to to introduce to the podcast. And ah yeah, um, like his poetry just kind of like finds this uh, beauty within pain, and then beauty within like uh, the nuance of of pain and like uh and the nuance of everyday life and stuff like that he's got like songs on here that seem to be him singing to himself as a music critic there's songs on here like um that that get you know i don't know how much we should talk about it but like borderline prophetic of him like uh like kind of being done with things uh, uh because we i mean we can't talk about light without saying like he's no longer with us um, I, I think it's important to say that this was the last album released in his yeah. lifetime while he was yeah. while he was with us. So that is something important important to to address. Yeah, uh, maybe if, if if you're listening right now like, and if you're feeling real down and and all that, please ask someone for some help uh, and reach out because people care about you and and like the and like and they're gonna repaint your mural if you need it to be painted uh 100% i i'm so glad you you mentioned that we we hadn't like normally like we ellie and i kind of like bounce we like text before our episodes uh-huh. <laughs> uh but this one we just kind of were like i'm so excited for tonight and yeah but we hadn't really kind of talked but i'm so glad you said that like if, um if you need to talk to someone definitely talk to someone reach out yeah uh we 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 lost Elliot Smith tragically. Um, yeah. But so if you are feeling, if you are feeling a certain type of way, please reach out. There there are so many people that are there for you. So. But. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <sighs> Boy, maybe that's why we kind of started on a slow note today. Like it's just because we haven't <laughs> listened to Elliot Smith. Um, uh, I don't know what I don't know I don't know, I don't really know what else to say. Like uh, maybe one of my favorite like uh, independent like producers like the the way you know if we want to talk about production like the way he records his voice still like um, hold some, up hold up so so you're putting you're putting Elliot before Mark McGrath. <laughs> there it is. Okay, and applause break. Okay, <laughs> this is the <laughs> this is the end of Simulos now. <laughs> Oh, oh yeah, Jake's all mad now. Um, I'm just kidding. No, I, I'm not arguing, you know. No, but like, like he's doing like like he's doing the Brian Wilson thing. He's doing I guess like I don't know. Like maybe you can help me out here, but like the way he records his voice is so wild. 
Um, no, I'm, I'm so happy you, you mentioned Brian Wilson because I read an, an article. It was an article for NPR Music. It was an inter- interview with uh, Phoebe Bridgers. Um, and the, the the author is Lindsay Zoldaz. And she actually, or, or they actually brought attention to that fact that figure eight has a lot of like um, Brian Wilson kind of beach boys. Yeah. Yeah. At it on it. The, the harmonies and everything. Yeah. And, and again, and like a lot of people try to do that sound, like including like Panda Bear from Animal Collective and all that. But uh, Elliot Smith was doing it in the nineties, babe. Um, yeah. I heard a story about him, like, or uh, he was playing some show. And, well, I, okay. Well, I went to a show and then the, uh, the band leader, like, they were already on stage, which is a weird thing. If you go into a show and the band's already on stage and they're just kind of waiting for everyone to trickle in, it's a weird vibe. <clears throat> and then the guy, the guy was like, sorry, we're already on stage. That's weird, right? He's like, he's like but I once saw Elliot Smith um, do the same thing where he was just sitting on stage on a stool with his guitar and waiting for people to walk into the room. And he was just looking at everyone. And then once everyone was filed in, he just started playing and he's like, and I think he said this, this band later said that like, that's the coolest thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> so we were, he's like, well, we're not, we're not that cool, but like, we're, we're going to play music for you now anyways. But, um, but like wow. that, that's like the, 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 uh, the legend of Elliot Smith like continues to grow and those stories last forever. And so yeah, does I, his music. You know? Absolutely. And I mean, I went back and listened to like XO, which is the album that came out in 1998. Yeah. Um, Elliot Smith just, he had just like an uncanny ability to just like write these like incredibly like dense, emotionally dense, but like also simple songs. A lot of times that you hear, a lot of times you hear him, he's just, it's just him and his acoustic guitar. Mm-hmm. You know? um, and XO still kind of had that like, they, online like uh, various articles they say like it's like almost like recorded in like a basement you know kind of like very yeah. very simple um but figure eight is uh, it's it's the album he recorded in la you know and there's that song on there called la oh uh, you know? la okay well, so i won't sing it but uh but yeah is it, it is this is this his most like uh produced album you know, like the most instrumentation and drums and everything absolutely i yeah. i would certainly say it is you know and there's you know there's just so much going on here i mean like like you hear um everything means uh, i'm sorry everything reminds me of her like i can i don't want to do is sing it but i am trying not to <laughs> Everything, Everything reminds me of her today. to see, you know, and it's it's like it's something it's something we've all felt, you know. I kind of knew what we were getting ourselves into with like talking about this this record, and yeah, because we're a funny, goofy podcast. But like, I mean, damn, like it's hard to talk about Elliot Smith without. Um, no, it's like. It's just like the song titles alone, like you have like everything reminds me of her. Yeah. You know, which Unreal. If you've been through a heartbreak, yeah. you know, you understand, you know, and and you don't have to be you don't have to be like uh 
like a, I, I guess I, I, I want to say a male defining man to understand mm. that you can be, you can, you can, you can be whatever you, oh. you are and understand yeah. like what that song is about. And I think that's what this album, um, 21 years later, mm-hmm. you know, re- resonates with the listeners. I, I'll never forget like this, this album, this album, it's kind of like electronic albums. And like, I remember texting Elliot, like maybe like an hour before we jumped on, I was like, I think these records really pair well together. Yeah. Um, uh, it's because like the way of like electronic albums, electronic music albums can like make you feel like a certain type of emotion by sampling or, you know, by scratching or by a synthesizer. You, you get that same thing with, with this record, you know, you, you can feel like, you know, everything around you her, like everyone's been through that, you know, like yeah. you turn on the TV and you see, I don't know, like an old Simpsons episode or something. And you're just like, Oh crap. You know, <laughs> like you, you're like, oh, I've moved on, I moved on. And then you see Homer Simpson do something crazy. And you're just like, Oh shit. I can compare that with some obscure memory in my brain, you know? And I think that uh, I just, that's one of my favorite, favorite ones on this record. And then the fact that he does back to back, everything reminds me of her. And then everything means nothing to me. Everything means nothing to me. <sighs> the, the, uh, I think I've said on the, on the show before that like, I'm a big nerd about like track listing and all that and track order and all that. Yeah, that's on that's on purpose, man. Yeah, come on, how perfect is that? Everything means nothing to me. I, I think everything means nothing to me is like maybe like it's like him like flexing that harmony muscle. The production, the recording of it is uh, glorious, and the way that the oh. drums kind of the drums just, come in, but the drums just kind of echo into this chamber. He's like, add more reverb. More, more, <laughs> more. That's not my reverb. <laughs> you know? That's not my <laughs> reverb. I'm, I'm doing whiplash. <laughs> oh, I was doing uh, Last Jedi, and he's like, more reverb. You know, more. Because um, <laughs> um, the drums come in, you're like, oh, here's like, you know, what we're trying to hear. And I was like, oh, this is like the break, the drop, if we call it in my world. Like, but it's just, like the drums come in, they're like, but they're like subdued and then it's echoey. Like, so like they don't even, you can't even like, you can barely sway to it because he's lost. Everything means nothing to me. Everything reminds me of her. Everything means nothing to me. She means nothing to me. This yeah, is a. It, this is the. The album's about loss and longing and and missing something. He's missing some piece. Uh, figure eight was he, he when asked about the title, like, but he 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 mentioned skateboarders, like where like. These, I just imagine a skateboarder going in a figure eight and like, and, and I guess being from, you know, recording this at least in the West Coast and like, like in a, you know, in the, the pools or the Dogtown boys did or whatever. Just going in a figure eight, um, pers- pers- um, not quite pursuing perfection, but trying to be beautiful. Right. Um, I've, I've got the, I pulled the, the quote from my, Oh, beautiful. Go, go, please. For my notes. So he said, 
Um, and this is from this is from Elizabeth. I yeah. like the idea of a self-contained, endless pursuit of perfection. Yeah. But I have a problem with perfection. I don't think perfection is very <sighs> artful. But there's something I liked about the image of a skater going in a twisted circle that doesn't have any real endpoint. So the object is not to stop or arrive anywhere. It's just to make this thing as beautiful as they can. Mm -hmm. Uh, Should we just end the show there? Like, I think that's absolutely gorgeous. Isn't that like the, isn't that, shouldn't that be everyone's idea? Should that be everyone, every artist's mantra? Like, pursuit of perfection, but also be wary of it. Like, um, uh, find beauty in the, and the mistakes find beauty in like the imperfections, you know, and, and that's what he kind of wrote about. Like, like his life was not perfect. He clearly went through a lot of shit um, yeah. and he wrote about it and like, and he found this, I think, I, I think I can comprehend writing sad, writing words down that tell the listener perhaps how sad I can be. But then to add a, oh, here I go, man. I told you this was going to be a good one. Like to add a beautiful melody behind that, make something sad, beautiful is um, like a, just a transcendent achievement. And I don't, I don't, I can't think of anyone that turns pain into beauty the way Elliot Smith did. This is an artist that was able to take pain and emotional strife and turn it into something beautiful and just really bring something to the world, you know, and something that we've listened to 21 years later and listening to it is just stunning. Yeah. You know, uh, I, I have just, this album reminds me of like the cold. Yeah. You know, I remember it's a good, like, it's a good winter album. Yes, I, I, that's why I think of coffee when I think of it. It's like, it's just, this is coffee bar music, man. Absolutely. I remember. I'll never forget. Like I was driving a friend home in San, so in San Antonio. So this is a very San. It's 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 tied to San Antonio for me, which is where I was born and, and raised. So it's mm-hmm. it's a very important album to me. I, I texted Elliot and said, "This is the top ten album of all time for me." Like wow. absolutely, I wouldn't. You know, I'll never forget like just driving a friend home and they were having relationship problems. Yep. You know, and I was like, hey, check this song out. Like, I I think this song is going to really mean something to you. And I put it on everything means something to me. And yeah. I'll never forget, they were just like, wow, like, who is this? You know, and it was like, I'm like, it's Elliot Smith. Yeah. And uh he's such a he's a a vital in, just important um artist for yeah. just like not even like american uk australian <laughs> you know anything he's just like he's vital like you this this guy he's just unreal just gifted in 
I feel fortunate to have his have his work to listen to, you know. Yeah. How lucky are we? Very fortunate. I mean, for for both of our artists tonight. I mean, the fact that like two guys from Australia took the time to like create dive and mm-hmm. create since I left you, and yeah. the fact that we were able to be live during the time while Elliot Smith was like creating music and like writing music. Like we're just sometimes, sometimes you know, as sometimes as music listeners, like you just have to be like. God, like I'm so lucky we can hear this. You know, like I remember, like there there are times when, then like we'll be listening. Me and my fiance will listen to music, like specifically like Elvis. That's the most recent memory. Like <laughs> we'll be listening to Elvis, and we'll, I'm just like, God, like how lucky are we that this artist like existed at a time when he can record his voice, so where we can hear it. You know, like I just. And I feel the same way about Elliot Smith and, and the Avalanches. It was just such, such a such a really beautiful combo. And for the record, my favorite song on this album and yeah. by Elliot Smith is Junk Bond Trader. Okay. It's one that like I've tried to cover multiple times, but I'm just like, I can't do this. Like I can't I can't do this. <laughs> like I'm not I'm just not good enough yet, you know. And I feel like you, you could. I feel like I would love to hear a Jake uh, cover of Elliot Smith. I would love to hear your voice sing his songs. I, that mean, that means so much to me. Thank you. <laughs> no, tr- I, I truly mean that. I, I actually, you know, I looked away and I thought about it. Like, yeah, I think I think you could do it justice. I've, I have an Elliot Smith like songbook that I bought, and I'm just like, wow. Just his, his his stuff is just crazy. I'm abs- I'm so 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 happy you enjoyed this one, and it, it meant something to you because oh man, yeah. you know more times than not, like a lot of the records you've recommended to me have like resonated in my like universe, and uh, I'm I'm so happy you enjoyed this one, dude. Absolutely. Um, I, I forget if I told this in the pod or not but like like one time i was you know djing and like uh someone come to me and asked me what my name was or whatever and i said elliot and they're like no it's not um i said well yeah my name's elliot <laughs> and uh because elliot smith is my namesake they're like, they're like 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 elliot smith i'm like yeah kind of like that but yeah two l's one t and they're like that's disrespectful <laughs> and so <laughs> like well as in like uh as in like they thought i was like trying to like i don't know pretend my name was elliot so we get like cool street cred that's how legendary this dude is um <laughs> that's just a funny thing but it uh, happened to me um it's almost like yeah. uh it's almost like dylan and then dylan thomas the poet like bob dylan and Dil- dylan thomas the poet it's like it's like that same oh you know, it might be like sacrilegious but like i would argue that like elliot smith for me is just as important as Bob Dylan, and if you want to, if, if you want to disagree, go ahead. But like, hey, that's just how I feel. He's, yeah, he's just he's vital. He's I mean, vital. In, yeah, and in like in the American in American music history, in all music history, 
he's one you have to he's he's one you have to listen to and, and give the time of day to. I mean, and yeah. I, the, they they say like you know there's the there's the adage like oh the greatest uh, American novel has never been uh, read or meaning like published like it's in a drawer somewhere you know like oh someone wrote something sometime that we've never read and it's actually the best thing ever um, and while we're I guess kind of you know while we have a goofy show and like and and we're I don't know we're kind of pseudo music music critics we are music uh, appreciators and it yeah. does it does feel good to appreciate what we have and i think that's what we're trying to do and it, it and i do really truly appreciate having the opportunity um and uh the fortune to uh have heard elliot smith and it's because it, it can it can be truly life-changing to listen to an artist that like changes their mind about something or, or uh, let, lets you know that, like, hey, other people are feeling down too, or, or whatever, you know? Yeah. And, and that's, that's something as, like, a, I guess I, I describe myself rudderless, 20-something. I'm not even, I was 19, 20, that this album just was a landmark for me. So um, final thoughts on figure eight. It's, it's, it's fantastic, and uh, I can't recommend diving into the back catalog more. I think uh, he's a tremendous artist, and, uh, and it behooves everyone to go check him out. And also to reiterate, if you're <laughs> because, because he's quite the emotional man, and, and uh, we, we lost him too soon, if you're feeling down, if you're having trouble, just reach out and ask for help. Absolutely. And, uh, my partner, Elliot, um, couldn't have said it better. Um, there is, we're we're fortunate enough to 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 have a lot of Elliot Smith's, you know, recorded material um, at our fingertips. So I mean, you know, I couldn't couldn't not recommend you know his album, you know, his previous albums, EXO, Either Or, mm-hmm. self titled, and of course Roman Candle. Yeah. Uh, and, there was a there was a an album released um, after Post- he passed away called from posthumously posthumously uh, top uh, from a basement on the hill uh, yeah just just really really good stuff and check out new moon as well there's just such a such a wealth of of material on there and um even though the we lost him at such a tragically young age. There's, there's a ton of material out there. And if, if you are feeling you need to talk to someone, please reach out. Um, Cause there are people out there to listen to you, people that yeah. want to listen to you and you are absolutely a hundred percent not alone in this crazy world. Yeah. But with, with that being said, I think, you know, since I left you figure eight, I found them to be a truly enjoyable, like listening experience. Yeah. And, uh, could not thank you enough uh, for, for your recommendation this week. So thank you. Yeah, You could thank me more. Try to think of me more. Well, you know, I remember that. <laughs> one, <you> know. <laughs> At least try to thank me more. No, I'm <laughs> Um, but 
So next week's episode. Okay. I'm absolutely 100% so excited to, oh boy. Uh, to bring this artist to the Sip and Mimos universe. Okay. Um, so this is this is an artist that I have that has been a part of my life for as long as I can remember. Mm-hmm. And it's probably because I was seven when her debut album came out. Uh-huh. Um, I have so many memories of listening to them sing. And I mentioned earlier uh, about Dogma. She played a part in Dogma. Yeah. And I'm actually going to see her live in concert tomorrow. Tomorrow? So today's uh, August 11th. I'm going to see her live August 12th, 2021. Uh, we will be discussing the iconic, the legendary Alanis Morissette. Alanis Morissette. 1995's Jagged Little Pill. Love it. And I did call it. Okay. You call. Damn it! I was hoping your name was like it was something else, but damn it, she plays God. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Rightfully so. Rightfully, Rightfully so. so. <laughs> She's the Morgan Freeman of uh, Angry Burnettes in the nineties. Yeah. That recorded. <laughs> yeah, so like, of course they would be God. Yeah, yeah. So this okay. is Jack, this is Jagged Little Pill. This is the one. It's got you know you ought to know. It's got hand in my pocket. Yeah. And over feet and come on. Ironic. <sighs> Don't you think? Yeah, I really do think. So excited for this one. I'm so excited. She's gonna perform the whole album, right? I think so, yeah. Oh my god. And she's performing with garbage. Oh, we should talk garbage too. So I, I maybe we can do like a special edition episode where we just like I'll I'll just can talk about the concert. Um, okay well i know like garbage is playing and liz fair was supposed to play but she she's not on the tour anymore oh but uh i'm so freaking excited where where, where are you seeing her Uh, she's gonna be at the germania insurance amphitheater here in lovely austin texas all right uh cool maybe i can get some videos of the show we can drop them on the instagram um absolutely yeah get on the insta um, okay, that's great. Uh, <laughs> I'm excited to talk about it. I okay, like uh, you know, I'm not like a super fan or anything, but I would, I would, I would drop a sandwich to and run out the door to see that show. Are you kidding me? Come on, Alanis, forget it. Uh, uh, but I am gonna give you an album to listen to. Hit me, hit me, hit hit me. Are you ready for this one? Hit me. His name's come up a few times. It's another, he, uh, you've got all the ladies and all that, but um, uh, on March 13th, 1995, an album was released and um, it was actually the third album by this artist, um, but he, he went on to do a lot of, a great many things. Um, the album's called Everything is Wrong and the artist is Moby. <laughs> We're doing it. We're doing Moby. Welcome to the Sip and Mimos universe, Moby. Finally. It took us this long to get to Moby. All right, we're doing it. It literally took us like over a year and a half. 
Anywhere, year I, and a half. I told you in like one episode, like uh, we'll get to Moby, but it's not going to be play. Like, it's not going to be the album you think it is. You know, it's not going to be play. It's going to be everything is wrong. So everything is wrong is uh, it's it's he's still in his deep electronic rave phase, and like so, but there's still like the pianos and and all this, and he's experimenting experimenting with tempo on a few tunes. And it, 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 it's a it's a it's a fun one, and there's so, a lot of beautiful beautiful stuff on here. I'm gonna save it. Everything is wrong. Everything is wrong. Alanis versus Morby. I love it. All right, man. Well, good deal. Well, I honestly, I might be a different person after seeing Alanis Morissette. Yeah, that'll be it'll be it'll be nice to re meet you, man. <laughs> I cannot wait. Certainly, <laughs> you gotta let me know how that show goes. Take lots of photos and put them on the gram. Definitely. All right. Thanks to everyone listening. I guess. Absolutely, and thank you. For, for continuing to introduce me to albums that, you know, uh, just really changed my outlook on music and everyday life. Uh, in this, in, in the crazy world that we live in, Sipping Mimos is such a treat and it's something I look forward to every time we get to record. Um, Absolutely. So, and and these are these two records that we paired this week. I mean, it's kind of like it's kind of like when you do like a like a wine pairing with like a, a meal or something like yeah. Really, could not recommend this week's albums more. Uh, they, it was such a treat and um, made for such a wonderful time. So, thank you, my friend, as always. All right, all right, thank you, sir. And uh, stay tuned next week for Alanis Morissette. Alanis Morissette. We're getting we're getting back to our nineties roots. And, so and Moby, yeah. Alanis Morissette and Moby. Let's do it. I'm so excited. <laughs> That's gonna be a good one for sure. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, for sipping memos, I'm Jake. I'm Elliot. Uh, we're signing off. So. As always, stay sipping. Stay sipping. Wink. Later, Wink. dude. Later, man.